right back with the Callum Sutton Show. SuttonShow.net This is episode 2106 for the 9th of January 2024. And I've just found out that you can um, you can recall groups of windows in Windows 11 now. Like if you had a split screen of windows and then you minimize them and then you go back into the taskbar, it'll ask you if you want the split to come back. A weird thing to mention and also to notice in that order, but quite useful in my case because while I'm playing songs, I get rid of the windows that I'm usually looking at while I'm presenting the show so that I can look at a photo of Ainsley Harriet. And so it's useful once I'm done looking at my photo of Ainsley Harriet that I can just click a button and the screen resets itself in my usual config so that my script is on my left side and all the music is on the right side and there's a really small photo of Danny DeVito in the right-hand corner. Um, Yeah, weird thing to mention but hey now you know now you can use that at the office i guess i don't know bore your colleagues <laughs> get a promotion but be really boring at the same time um we're talking about the uh post office scandal today um all sorts of stuff has been happening i mean it all kind of just came out of nowhere uh, that, that literally like cuz i spend I don't know, let's let's say like five minutes every two hours I go and I look at the news and I, you know, gather stuff up for the show because it it can't always be just about me. You know, that would just be egotistical. I have to talk about other people as well. Um, and, you know, one minute, dry, dry as a desert, dry as a bone. And then the next minute it's like, oh, but the post office has, um, yeah, exploded with some sort of controversy. So let's see what's going on with that. Steps to clear the names of hundreds of sub-postmasters convicted in the post office horizon scandal are being considered by the government. More than 700 people were prosecuted after faulty software made it look like money was missing. Their cases in the spotlight following the ITV drama Mr. Bates versus the post office. So basically, we've got this horizon software... Uh, made by Fujitsu, I believe. And um, apparently for a very long time now, it's been malfunctioning. Between 1999 and 2015, the post office prosecuted 736 post sub-postmasters and sub-postmistresses, an average of one a week based on information from a computer system called Horizon. Many maintained their innocence and said they had repeatedly raised issues about problems with the software, but some went to prison for false accounting and theft. Many were financially ruined by it. After 20 years, campaigners won a legal battle to have their cases reconsidered, but to date, only 93 convictions have been overturned. A public inquiry began in uh, February 2021, but many victims are still fighting to have their convictions overturned or to secure full compensation. The Met Police is investigating the post office over potential fraud offences arising from the prosecutions. It's a serious thing, a really serious thing. Um, Horizon itself was introduced in 1999. The system was developed by the Japanese company Fujitsu for tasks like accounting and stock taking. And I I have um, not any experience with Horizon itself, but plenty of experience with dodgy accounting systems. So... 
to a certain extent, this is uh, it's lining up for me as something very, very possible. Uh, Sub postmasters complained about bugs in the system after it falsely reported shortfalls, some for many thousands of pounds. Some attempted to pull the uh, to plug the gap with their own money, as their contract stated they were responsible for any shortfalls. Many faced bankruptcy or lost their livelihoods as a result, which goes to show several things. Um, a obviously the post office's response throughout the years has been nothing short of completely disappointing. And obviously it would seem that their contract terms as well for franchises are designed to keep the post office uh, in as comfortable position as possible without giving any support to their franchisees. If they have to go to that length to... And you've got to consider that if they're going to that length as well, it would kind of say to me that they felt threatened almost by the post office and the contract that they were held to. The Horizon system is still being used by the post office, which describes the latest version as robust. Isn't that very strange? After, what was that, 16 years? They say, yeah, it's had some problems in the past, but all of a sudden, everything's okay now. Many former sub-postmasters uh, sub and postmistresses have described how the scandal ruined their lives. They had to cope with the long-term impact of a criminal conviction and imprisonment. Marriages broke down and some families believe the stress led to health conditions, addiction and premature deaths. Horizon scandal has taken everything from me. Post office scandal TV drama brings it all back. Will convictions be quashed? The government is under pressure to find a way to quickly overturn the convictions but this will not be straightforward. I think, you know, obviously the majority of uh, the the blame, if not, no, no, not the majority, all of it has to be put onto the people heading up the post office. And I think at this point, it's, it's like only right to try and make sure that there is as much enforcement available to those people who had been convicted, uh, whether that be, you know, legal compensation against the heads of the post office and potentially a lot of possible, like, personal action against them, considering that is a very long time for a lot of negligence. It would seem to me that the people heading up the post office definitely have a lot to answer to. But... You know, it's one of those things where God knows how um, how the response to that is actually going to be, whether it's going to be something that actually is, you know, acceptable, or whether this drama is going to continue for many years to come, which I think is a very likely case, considering. And I think we've seen things like this before, where the resulting actions taken by the government and by the accused have been nothing short of disappointing. And so it's it's a constant uphill climb to try and get like the correct respect from these kind of companies. But, you know, it doesn't seem 
at all surprising to me that something like this would go wrong. I used to work with a system uh, with a, a large hotel brand that used to have very, very similar shortfalls. In, in fact, breaking down nearly every single day in every single way. Take that and stick it into a rhyme. And it's just one of those things with these kind of like custom-made softwares is everyone will kind of just say, yeah, it's great. I love it. It works so well. When they haven't actually ever had any experience with it. Because it's always the people at the top who have no fucking clue how their systems actually work. Especially in these capacities. Because they won't won't have ever trained with it, won't have ever actually had to use it in its real-life occupancy. Whether that be using it on a small-scale level, so postmaster, employee, or using it at a managerial level, whether that be checking through reports, ensuring that the system is actually working the way it's supposed to work, very often those who employed the systems in the first place will never actually have any awareness of how their systems are performing. They'll just see kind of like the finalized numbers that come out of that system, whether that be, you know, financials, performance reports. They'll just see the final output, and if it lines more or less up with what they think it should line up with, they'll be like, yep, yeah, it's a perfect system, it works so well. But then when they see a discrepancy shortly afterwards, they'll immediately go to blaming the users rather than thinking, well, that that might potentially be something to do with that custom-made system that we have, which may not always perform exactly the way we expect it to perform. God knows that is a very, very common thing with custom software, is it? Yeah, likely for a very long time won't work the way that it's kind of expected to work because that's just that's just the reality of it, really. Development is hard and things go wrong. Even even when they seem like they're going right, they can go wrong. Um, I mean, I know that from developing my own software here for Sutton Broadcast. Every iteration isn't perfect, you know? It, it takes a lot of user feedback to actually know where things are working correctly for other people and where things aren't. And it's not something that I can always test in-house because my setup might be entirely different from other people who have picked up the software or have the software redistributed into other products. So as far as I'm concerned, the software is always working until it's not but then I make my own localized fix of it. But I can't guarantee that it's going to work for everyone else until I've actually seen the proof from other people because I, I can't I can't test it on other people's equipment without being there. So it's like this, the system that runs the lights in the studio, the, the very simple LEDs that tell me when I'm on air, they do little flashy things in the background. People have seen it on... Nightly Sutton, the screens in the background change. They say when I'm on air. They say when the mic is live. But, you know, there was a time when that was a really flawed... It would take over two seconds for it to update. Sometimes if the mixer lost connection with the network for like a split second, the entire thing would crash. 
And there's videos of like me sitting here several years ago with that screen in the background just glitching the fuck out because the program didn't know what to do. And that's a really, really simple use case, but it can still go wrong exactly exactly the way it did. So, you know, I feel like it's one of those things where not only the company has to be aware, like they can blame Fujitsu all they like, but I think ultimately it comes down to the end user, the post office themselves, because they likely haven't been relaying the correct information that Fujitsu would need to even fix this system in the first place. Or it might be the fact that there's a clause in the contract that says you need to pay us this much to do this fix or that fix. And there's just been huge negligence from the people up on board the uh, post office, uh, you know, upper deck. They have decided just to piss on the peasants below and not give them any support. Just threaten them with ridiculously tight contracts which have caused them to spiral out of control in some cases, seriously lose control of their entire life. So I think it's it's kind of disgusting, but we will come back to that on a later episode. This is The Callum Sutton Show. The Callum Sutton Show. All right, let's get to that mail sack. Choo-choo! It is Samantha Texas. I'm that is getting so stupid now. You found a time machine that took you back 600 years. All you have are the clothes on your back. How do you tell people that you're from the future? Uh, i tell you what, there's a red tag on my ass that says Levi, and I'd probably tell them that that gives me all of my self-confidence. It's 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 an interesting one because I think it was Exerbia on YouTube who was talking about it, um, basically giving a survival guide for going back six hundred years or so, probably probably longer in in his case because he was talking about all sorts of like survival tactics um, to kind of like just survive Earth's natural resources because you know everything was deadly uh, at some point. But I think the main thing was kind of like, you just wouldn't. You would try to blend in as much as humanly possible. You'd stay completely silent because English at the time, for example, or any other language, unless unless you're really good at speaking esoteric, really old languages, would have been like completely un- incomprehensible to, you know, to us. And... Their entire style, their entire like textile industry, you know, was much different. And it's not even like breaking stuff down as such. It's not like if you were to wear just white cotton, that would kind of be like, you know, it's not exactly an exotic material or anything, but even that compared to techniques of a time, like it would be immediately obvious by the weave quality, for example, by the actual cleanliness. Just just small things like that. And so you, I think you have two routes that you can go, which is you either have to pretend to be one of them, blend in, get as much older clothing as you can. Good luck. The amount of resources that would be, you know, just lying around would would likely be very limited, if any at all, because it is kind of like a time when 
singular possessions would have been these kind of like prized things. I mean, that's not really going back too far, but especially 600 years, like a quill, for example, that would be a prized possession. It wouldn't be something that people just have a literal pot of lying around. Meanwhile, Sutton Knightley on the video stream, you can see a literal pot of pens behind me. Like, small things like that, like, they would have been way more resourceful than we are these days back then, simply because they just didn't have any resources. They just didn't have things that they could... There was no such thing as stockpiling. They wouldn't be able to stockpile. They would literally have their singular possessions and they would look after them as best as they could. And so the likelihood of just finding, you know, older clothes on the ground, yeah, wouldn't happen. In a bin? Probably also wouldn't happen. You know, they just used whatever they had available to them. And so, ultimately, yeah, I I don't think you could really survive. The other option is being a magician, (laughs) being a wizard, literally going in with everything modern and just kind of saying exactly, you know, what the situation is. Yeah, they won't understand you. That's the only problem. And even if you did find a way to explain it to them, if you were able to stick around long enough without getting burnt by the church to learn the language and then explain the situation, uh, you, you would probably still get burnt by the church because nobody would believe you. Um... So yeah, I think Exerbia's ideas were literally to go in with like an air horn <laughs> and just start an entire show. Just just bedazzle the millions. Uh, you know, play modern music. The the rhythms of that would be so alien to them that people would immediately flock to it. And and just try and commit stuff to memory. Like, you know, solar eclipses and try to travel near to a solar eclipse so that you can claim to just, you know, know when solar eclipses happen just because you're amazing. And, you know, with any luck, maybe maybe they weren't, won't burn you alive. Apologise about the noise next door. That's my uh, continually arguing neighbours. <laughs> so, yeah, I think my answer to that is... Um, I would hide under a rock or, or or try and try and start my own settlement somewhere else, I guess. I don't know. It'd be really, it, it's difficult enough to try and think of how you would start your own thing over there to, to at least become uh, an ally to the people rather than try to blend in with them completely. I don't know. I want to hear from you guys. We'll talk about it in a few episodes time. Let me know what you would do. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go through them all and we'll maybe maybe start some sort of ranking system. See who's got the uh, most plausible, most survivable answer. Should be an interesting one. Jack Harlow loving on me right here on the Callum Sun Show. Hope you're all doing well. It is time to talk about stupid things. Very stupid things. It's kind of my favourite my, my favorite thing to do is to go through some stupid stuff. And so we've got some stupid news, as per usual. Um, Starting off with a woman who's been left gobsmacked after hearing men's responses to the question, how does a girl pee with a tampon in? 
And I think, you know, we've all wondered, including the women, how does that work? How have we been doing that? Apparently, um, sex education in more recent years and years prior hasn't been particularly upfront about these things. Now, I know for me, I I think I had my sex education talks, you know, before I got to secondary school. I, I knew about this long before I even had an interest in women or, or, you know, sexual interest in women. Not, not complete. I didn't transition. I think is what I'm trying to say there. But I'm pretty sure I knew in early life exactly how female anatomy worked from maybe like half an hour of talks. And so it it's, yeah, a bit surprising for many other people specifically in the UK, have had trouble with this question, with many of them saying, doesn't the tampon just drown? Doesn't it just get wet? No, no. Why, where, where do you think, where do you think it goes? If you, if you didn't know already, uh, there is uh, two different places, and, and they link to two entirely separate places as well the bladder and the womb and so I, I don't know i haven't heard of many babies being born in the bladder recently if, if they were i would be highly concerned and so yeah this woman went ahead and just did like a, a full-on global survey i'm going to call it a global survey because everyone kind of just chipped in with their interesting little uh, little conspiracies. Most of them equally disturbing. But, um, yeah. It, it's just, I'm looking at it now. There is 17,000 comments on this video. And I swear to God, the, the first, what, 60 million of them? Uh, the exact same theory or, 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 you know, confusion. How does that work? How does that work? The, the tampon does, it, it does go into the urethra, right? Pop it up, give it a tickle. No, no, it doesn't. So I think maybe we need to think about, you know, whether people are getting enough education in younger life. I do worry that it's one of those prudish things. It's not being taught because men can't possibly know how the female body works. I think it's important. I think that sort of stuff is vital because there's a lot of, you know, just basic disrespect that comes out of just basic immaturity. Just literally never being taught these things and that later leads to um, you know, just disgraceful people who who don't have respect for women. Um, it, it's weird how sometimes like that lack of innocence can turn into complete prick. I don't understand how that works, but it seems to happen a lot, and and you see it with other things as well. You wouldn't think that education would be that important that, you know, very simple things like that can eventually lead to entirely different people altogether. 
an entirely different way of forming a human mind, as it were. But it does happen. It absolutely does happen. The the limited knowledge of the of the bigot, as it were, can sometimes be the entire catalyst for everything he does. And I don't quite understand that. I'm sure scientists will eventually come up with a reason for it. Whether it be as simple as it is literally just that way because immaturity leads to lesser development, as it were, of critical thinking. I feel like there's more to it. I feel like there's environmental aspects as well, and they kind of just line up. Um, But yeah, I'll be waiting for the TikTok video where... um, they're all questioned on how women we as standing up as well. That one will be great. I'm pretty sure I've had that conversation with someone before who didn't quite understand how that was possible. Um, and, I, and I kind of just, you know, had to plant a little seed in their mind, as it were. Uh, but it was just a, a straight-up sharp angle back, just a bend back and then a wahoo, and just kind of like go for it. Brute force. In other news, a male stripper who has been taking his clothes off for 38 years has bared all about his career, including the time performed at a 250-person funeral. There is are some weird shit that goes on in this country, isn't there? And of course, this guy's from Wigan, because that would just make sense. Mike Stratton started stripping in 1986, and throughout his career, he's performed a full Monty dance routine at a woman's funeral had to have a tinnitus jab after being bitten on the bum and was once booked by a Russian mafia. How does that work? How does the Russian mafia just casually come up to a male stripper and say, you know what? You. We'll take you. And how how would you... I, I guess you would just be obliged, wouldn't you? You wouldn't really have a choice but say, but say yes. I'd be terrified. I'd be absolutely terrified. Imagine the Russian mafia coming to you as a stripper and being like, yeah, you're you're the one that we want our really dingy, in-the-middle-of-nowhere poker game. The 55-year-old who runs his own stripper agency says he has no plans to slow down as he's still receiving bookings and wowing crowds. Watch your back, mate. You're going to get too old for that at some point. Mike from Wigan in Greater Manchester said, you can't beat the buzz of going on stage. The adrenaline you get is incredible. I think that's what's kept me young. If they're under 25, I'll say, listen, that's a bit too young for me. But I'm all over the pensioners. They love me. To anybody over 50, I'm like catnip. Jesus Christ, Mike. Mike was 18 when he first got his uh, his uh, first little stripping gig straight out of school as a male kissogram. After impressing his seedy-looking first boss, he spent nine months as an Ibiza party rep in the late 1980s before returning to the UK and joining the Dream Boys in London. During the late 1990s, he founded his own group called the X-Men, because of course it would be called that, with friended women going wild for the lads as they toured the UK and Europe, and he recalled one specific incident in South Wales where one affectionate fan even bit him on the arse. The dad of three, whose solo stage name is The Hustler, said, I always said I wanted to be in Take That, but I ended up in the Dream Boys. Several times in the early days, when we were one of the only groups doing it in the country, 
we had to be rescued by doormen and ferried out the back exit. It it, it really is like there has to be a Netflix documentary on this at some point. And and I assume it'll be something very close to a uh, a broke back mountain esque uh thing. Let's just say that much. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess good luck to Mike as he continues in his career. That has, that has got to be some sort of story. And I'm sure he has plenty of fun telling it, especially the part where he's catnip to over 50-year-olds. Lenny Kravitz showing us that he's still relevant with Peggy Goo. That is, I believe in love again. And before that, an absolutely fantastic, uh, I guess, mashup almost of Virtual Insanity and Staying Alive by Pomplamoose. Welcome back. It's time for a little chat, you and I. Come on, sit round the fire. Or as uh, other radio stations used to say, shit round the fire, just so that they could get away with Ofcom fines. It's been a while since we last talked about, you know, what we've been doing. You and I. By the way, great beard. Um, I've been in Manchester most recently, like the biggest job I've done has been over in Manchester, going back there in a couple of days. So there probably won't be a show on, what day will that be? Thursday, I believe. We'll soon see. I have written the show. I just don't know if I'm going to have time to actually record it. Because I'll be away in Manchester for the um, for the football, flying the eagle eye around. But uh, most recently, Hot Wheels as well. For, for all you... Americanos over there. Hello, I see you with your VPNs. All of you Americanos. Um, yeah, I was working on um, Hot Wheels Ultimate Challenge. If you saw that one on NBC. It was a fun little thing to do. Three months. Kind of just shooting the shit from the maturity of it. I was there as technical director. Putting together screens. Communications. Doing a bit of camera work here and there. That was a fun little thing to do. It's one thing that you don't see much here in the UK, in the media industry, because we were literally in this little studio in Manchester over at Space. And there was, you know, cars being driven all around the place, coming in and out every single day, looking entirely different from the last. And it was a very kind of hectic show, to put it simply, with a shooting schedule that saw me literally like not a single day off, I think. I mean, I had a few, but it felt like not a single. Got some weird stuff done while I was over there, though. Like the days I did have off were some of the most, beyond recording this show, productive days, like fitting a subwoofer to my car. Because I was kind of getting caught up a little bit in this whole Hot Wheelsy business, this whole "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and do some wicked shit to this car, wicked shit to my car. What can I do to my car?" And so I did a little underseat subwoofer, which kind of it, it gives my butt a little flap every single time a bass note plays. Um, <laughs> I've been enjoying it so far. It's been probably. Best upgrade to the sound system in that car so far. Added a bit of depth to all of the high 
high bass tracks that I listened to. And so I did that, staying in this little Airbnb in Manchester as well. So I kind of like had an excuse for a little while to kind of just change my living habits a little bit. You know, because if you're in a place that you you don't own yourself, it's very easy to kind of just change your entire lifestyle and just be really casual about it. It's like, yeah, I'm just gonna just gonna start doing things I don't usually do while I'm while I'm away from my native land, as it were. And then after that, I've changed jobs, as mentioned uh, when I was talking about the on on the topic of what were we talking about it was only yesterday malicious compliance or silent quitting if i was still with my my old job i'd probably wouldn't be speaking in particularly great terms cuz yeah procam was definitely a place that caused a lot of grief for a lot of people but i'm you know I'm trying to be happy where I'm at right now with my new place. But at the same time, I'm kind of like making these own changes in my life to kind of just, you know, benefit myself. Just, you know, become a better citizen of society, I guess. But it's one of those things where it's like, ah, oh, crap, I've got to do that and work at the same time. I'd rather be off to do all of this sort of like, you know, self-rehabilitating stuff. But, you know, you've, you've kind of just got to keep pushing through it. So, you know, this year is kind of like one of those years where I'm kind of like trying to take hold of my financial freedom and do all sorts of bits, be happier with where I'm at, work more on my own stuff. So, you know, big, big Sutton broadcast things, basically. But, you know, you've got to kind of like allow time around all of that to relax as well. But, you know, that can be difficult. It can be difficult. Um, I never had time to do that at ProCamp, though. That's, that's the main thing. Like That was so much grief that even with the huge amount of time that I had around work itself, because I worked less hours there, the amount of grief that I got out of it kind of made me go, most evenings, I don't want to do this. I don't want to help myself. I don't want to like you know do all of this sort of like self-improvement stuff. I don't want to meditate. I want to go and do like deep cleaning of the house because you just get like mentally exhausted. It's just like, ah, oh, it's shit. <laughs> but you know, you st- still recorded the show every single day, still did things that brought me uh, an equilibrium in my mood, as it were, because recording the show has always been an important part of my life because it is my native practice, it is what I have known for. 13, 15 years, however long it's been, I forget the numbers. And so after after doing all of that stuff, after leaving ProCam for this new place, I've been kind of like globetrotting a little bit. Going here and there, doing this and that. Most recently I've just come back from Saudi Arabia, where there's a lot of stuff happening right now, like ridiculous amounts of stuff. Saudi Arabia's kind of starting to show themselves as a very serious media contender, as it were. Not contender as such. Consumer. They want every single production there. 
they they want all of their stuff to be publicized mostly because of this whole project neon the city of the future they really want to be seen now as a social as an entertainer country as it were and so it was interesting being over there definitely because you can see the amount of effort they're putting into this with the neon project they're just like vastly expanding every day and they're doing all of these events just to kind of like have something to be publicized to be turned into content so we did FIBA the 3 by 3 football which I think was originally Ice Cube's thing is that right? I don't know if anybody can tell me in the chat room that would be great I think it was originally Ice Cube's thing and so they kind of like set up this gigantic resort almost it was actually just like a resort where we filmed everything but then the one thing I do find kind of wasteful is then they just got rid of the entire place afterwards. But I guess if that's kind of their process, they are, you know, incredibly rich. So I think they can kind of get away with just setting things up for about five minute minutes and then going and moving somewhere else. But I know a lot of stuff has definitely taken place in, you know, over in Saudi Arabia and places like Riyadh before. And so I think this year as well there's going to be a lot more, like a whole lot more. So we'll, we'll see how many times I'll be on a plane this year. Probably quite a few. Playing right now, this is Laufey. Laufey and From the Start right here on the Callum Sutton Show. Coming up tomorrow, uh, Paramore is doing an Eras-style thing, the same as Taylor Swift, probably going to be very similarly themed as, uh, I don't know, Paramore, Haley's version. And we're going to be coming back to our mail responses for the silent quitting thing from the other day. And uh, Stupid Inventions, a new little feature we're going to be doing, very reminiscent of an old feature from a couple of years ago. So that's all that's coming up tomorrow. In the meantime, I'm going to head things off with a Golden House remix of Billie Eilish's Ocean Eyes. And I shall say goodbye now. As per usual, thank you so much for listening. It really does mean a lot. And I will catch you on tomorrow's episode. See you in a bit.